we are grateful that you've chosen to worship with us today, whether you're with us on campus or online or later this week on demand. Um, next Sunday is going to be a very special Sunday. Mike and Heather Webb, who are the co-directors of Children of Promise from the video that you just saw, are members of our congregation. You see Mike quite frequently on the platform as a part of our vocal team, and uh, Heather is actually a member of our Board of Elders. And uh, they are excited to be here next Sunday with their team uh, to give you an opportunity to learn a little bit more about what it means to sponsor children and make wholeness possible in their life. And for those of you who are online, we just want to let you know that we'll have a way for you as well to be a part of that very, very significant ministry. Today we are uh, into about the third week of this series that we're calling uh, Repurposed. And, and we're coming to a passage in, in the book of Galatians, uh, this letter that Paul wrote to several churches that, that quite honestly is going to bring us to a a new definition of what love is. Uh, because Paul, Paul interprets love differently than what our culture does. Uh, most of us, when we think of love, we think of like a, I don't know, a warm feeling or a feeling of affinity or just something that's like, you know, I'm in love. But Paul's about to introduce us to a concept of love that has to do with strength, that has to do with authenticity, that has to do with amazing honesty. Um, I don't know what kind of family you grew up in, but uh, I grew up in a family where my teachers were always right, always. My coaches were always right. I mean, it didn't matter. If, if, I mean, if the coach yelled at me and then benched me uh, and I'd come home and I'd be all upset, my dad, you know, I think it was because my dad had been a college athlete, and so he was like, nope, coach is right, son, you gotta learn. Or if, if, the, if I was in a choir in, in, in high school when I actually thought I could sing. I, I thought I could sing till I married a musician, and then I realized I can't sing, all right? Uh, and, and so, that, you know, I'd, I'd come home and, and I'd say something about the choral conductor or they're playing favorites. And my mother was a musician. She'd just look at me and say, no, son, you're not that good, all right? I mean, just, sorry, you know. I mean, so I grew up in this family where there was, there was never a sense that being loved was always taking my side against somebody else. And instead, love was doing what was best for me in the long haul, which meant that there were some times when I didn't get what I wanted. And there were some times when, when love meant a hard conversation. And, and what's going on in the fifth chapter of this letter of Galatians is that the Apostle Paul is having a hard conversation. Now, for those of you who, who have been with us over the last few weeks as we've been talking about this, this letter that Paul writes to these people, that you, you understand the situation. But for those of you who might be joining us for the first time, uh, or for those of you who've slept since last week and you don't remember, let me remind you that what's going on here is that Paul had gone into this region uh, of southern Galatia, these provinces, these Roman provinces, where people were not Hebrew, where people were not Jewish, and where he began to teach them about who Jesus was. And what he said to them was that if you put your faith in Jesus, if you believe that Jesus was the Son of God, if you believe that Jesus died on a cross, if you believe that Jesus rose again on the third day, and that he did that, he did that so that you could have eternal life. He did that because God so loved you that he sent his one and only son for you. If you had faith in that, if you had faith in who Jesus was and who Jesus is, because right now he sits at the right hand of God the Father, 
in heaven, actually the scriptures tell us, praying for us, interceding for us. And so if you would believe that, if you would put your faith in that, Paul said to these people who had never heard of Moses, who had never heard of Abraham, who had never heard of Jacob, they'd never heard all the stories that we know from the Old Testament or that the Jewish people knew from their Torah, from their, from their book of the law, that if you would put your faith in this Jesus, your life would be changed forever. And so when he taught them that, people responded. They responded because, because they saw the love involved. They responded because they saw the power of God at work, bringing wholeness and healing into people's lives. And so when they responded in that way, then they began to follow Jesus. And after a time, Paul left that area to go to another area. But he left in charge some people who, who were devout, people who really had faith in who Jesus was. But then he got word that after he had left, there were some people who came behind him. And these people who came behind him were teaching these people in Galatia that it wasn't enough to just put your faith in Jesus. It wasn't enough to believe that Jesus came and lived and taught and died and rose again and lives at the right hand of the Father. That, that wasn't enough to believe that. Instead, you, you had to become Jewish like they were. You had to become a Hebrew. You had to go back. You had to learn who Abraham was. You had to learn who Moses was. You had to learn all about what it meant to follow the law of the Moses. And doing that, they were teaching these people what it meant for the men. That men, you have to be circumcised. You have to physically be altered. You have to be circumcised. Women and men, you have to follow the, the, the rules of the Sabbath. You have to follow the laws of the Old Testament. The, and, and, and you have to do that with the dietary restrictions. You, you have to do that with the Sabbath law. And if you really want to be a Christian, if you really want to be a follower of Jesus, you have to amp that up. It's not enough just to have faith, they said. No, you've got to, you've got to show it. You've got to demonstrate it. And so Paul is writing to say, to the people in Galatia, you were doing really, really well. And now these people come along and they're, they're telling you something that's not true. They're trying to deceive you. And because Paul, because Paul understood love, because Paul understood that love wasn't just defending somebody all the time. Sometimes love meant confronting someone. That love didn't mean always taking your children's side. Sometimes it meant doing what was best for your children in the long haul. Paul writes to them, and, and, and he's been writing, and, and we've been looking at what he said, and now he gets to a point in, in the fifth chapter where, where he, he really wants them to make a, them understand the magnitude of what's happening, the, the, the real weight of what's going on. And, and I think it's important for us in the 21st century because, because quite honestly, we're living in a world that has just as much confusion about what it means. I mean, there, there are people who talk about either the institutional church or the national church or the nationalistic church. You know, I, here's the deal. I'm not, I'm not, personally, I've never been convinced to be a part of any of those. I'm not sure the New Testament teaches any of those. In fact, what I believe the New Testament teaches is something called the kingdom of God that's filled by people who are part of the body of Christ. And when you start looking into the New Testament's descriptions of who we are as the followers of Jesus, it never indicates that if you're a part of one particular country, you belong to Jesus. 
Or if you have one particular set of rules and follow those rules, that will get you higher into heaven. That, that, those are other religious systems. That is not a Christian religious system. And what Paul is doing is he's demonstrating love to those people. And what I believe the Holy Spirit wants to do to us is take the words that he shared in the first century and now begin to share those words in the 21st century because we are living in a time where there's so many opinions about what it means to be a quote-unquote Christian. And so I want to I read for you this, this letter that... A part of this letter where, where Paul just kind of reaches this point where, have you ever been there where, where you've, you've had enough? You know, you, you, you've just, you've had enough, all right? Listen to what happened when the apostle Paul has finally, as he's been writing, he's like, okay, this is it. I want you people to hear what love really looks like. It starts in Chapter 5, verse 1. If you have a Bible, you can follow with me. If you have it on your electronic device, you can follow along. If not, the words will be on the scripture. If you're online with us, there's a Bible in the chat room. You can click that. It'll take you to the scripture as well, and you can follow along with us. Listen to these words. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look. I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ. You who would be justified by the law, you have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who called you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. And I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view than mine, and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty whoever he is. But if I, brothers and sisters, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. What, what in the world is Paul trying to do? I would suggest to you he's loving these people. He's loving them enough to tell them the truth. And sometimes the truth is not, the truth is not easy. So sometimes the truth is more than your perspective. So some, sometimes you've become so wrapped up in the circumstances that you can't see where the truth is. That's the problem with our current society is that we all think that your truth is your truth and my truth is my truth and we all just need to get along. 
And there used to be a book about 40 years ago called, I'm okay, you're okay. And the reality is, none of us are okay. The reality is, all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And what, what Paul is doing here is, is he's saying, look, you're not okay when you try to make a religious system, a code of ethics, the thing that you worship. When you try to, when you try to say, hey, you, you, you can do it if you just earn the, the love of God. He said, no, no, the love of God is not to be earned. The love of God has already been given. And that's why he's, he's so emotional about this. Because I don't know if you caught it or not, but th these words that I just read for you are some of the most emotional words that the Apostle Paul ever writes. When he says, look, you gotta know. If you choose to live in a religious system instead of a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, then you're separating yourself away from grace. You're literally cutting yourself off from God. When you choose to, to, to be a religious person rather than have someone who, to be someone who has a relationship with Jesus Christ, then you're actually denying who Christ is and you're severing your relationship with him. And when he, when he talks about what that means to, to, to stay connected to God, he, he begins to teach us what love really, really looks like. The kind of love that's honest, the kind of love that cares about people enough not just to take the short-term consolation, but to give them the long-term consideration. Because, because in the long-term consideration, you gotta know there are gonna be ups and there are gonna be downs. There are gonna be difficult days, but you're never gonna be alone. As we sang a few moments ago, he's the same God, and he's always gonna be there for you. He's never going to forsake you. He's never going to leave you. But in the midst of your trial, in the midst of your temptation, in the midst of your tribulation, if you would, you, you are, you're subject to your own emotions. But what Paul is saying is, look, you can't live like that. What you've got to do is you've got to understand where your hope really comes from. Because love, real love, authentic love, repurposes our hope. It repurposes our hope in, in what it means to live righteously or to live right. Uh, years ago, I had a, a good friend who was an old retired pastor when I was a young pastor, and he, and he said to me, you know what I've learned when I read the Bible, Carrie? I've learned that when I'm in the Psalms in particular or when I'm somewhere in the Scriptures and it, and it says righteousness, that I should simply, in my mind, I should read live right. I, I, I should live right living. Because that's what it means. See, to, to, to have a hope within you that is not the hope that, okay, if I earn this, if I do this, if I try harder, if I work harder, you know, here, here's the deal. I, I, you, you can't work hard enough to earn the grace of God. God's grace has already been given to you because Jesus did what you could never do. Jesus paid a price for your own sin and your own salvation. Uh, it, it was uh, uh, psychologist, Christian author, Henry Cloud, who we discovered during the pandemic, uh, part of a teaching process we did here, there was a quote from Henry Cloud that I just love. And it simply said this, in most churches, in most places where people gather to worship, the message is the same. Oh, the music may be different. The, the windows may be different. The whole liturgy may be different. But, but the message is the same in almost every church in the Western world. And here's the message. It's real simple. 
God is good, you are bad, try harder. It's what people walk into church expecting to hear. God is good, you are bad, try harder. And what Paul is saying here is, no, that's not it. Because what the Judaizers were saying is, look, having faith in Jesus isn't enough. You're bad, so you gotta try harder. So you gotta be circumcised, you gotta follow the dietary restrictions, you gotta follow the Sabbath laws, you gotta become a good Jew, you've gotta do all the Hebrew heritage things that are not, and these people in Galatia were standing, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. The apostle Paul said Jesus came to die for our sin. The apostle Paul taught us that when Jesus died for our sins, they were washed away. The apostle Paul taught us that Jesus said he didn't come to abolish the law, he came to fulfill the law and take it to a higher level where it is all about our relationship with God and with others. And now Paul's writing to him and saying, look, for those of you who are choosing to go back into this false teaching, for those of you who are choosing to be deceived by the deception, then you just gotta know, you're walking away from the hope. You're walking away from Jesus. And walking away from Jesus means you end up in a place where you are hurt and bitter and tired and wounded and weary and broken. But Jesus came to heal all of that. Jesus came to forgive all of that. And if you, if you wanna live, if you wanna live the way you were created to live, the one who created you has already offered you an opportunity. Here's what he's offered to do. He's offered to come live inside of you. I want you to think about that for a minute. If you accept Jesus, if you ask Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins, and I know that there are many of you in this place, many of you online, yes, pastor, I've done that. I asked Jesus to forgive me of my sins then here's what you did. You asked Jesus to also come and live inside your life. Because in order to forgive your sins, he has to take up residence in you. And what Paul is saying is, look, when, when you choose to settle for a, 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 a religious experience based on regulations, instead of a religious experience that transforms your life, then what you're saying is, I don't really need Jesus living inside of me. I've got all these rules. I've got all these regulations. I'll just follow them. I'll check the boxes, and I can make it. But if I ask Jesus to come and live inside of me, then what I'm saying to him is, hey, Jesus, you're in charge. You make the changes you think need. You, you take over every part of my life. I was talking with a, a university student this week about faith and about his own faith journey. And I, I love this guy, because he came to meet with me and he had questions, right? And he's asking me the questions. And as we're going through the questions, one of the questions, a great question. If I ask Jesus into my life and say I'm committing my life to Jesus, what does that mean? What commitments am I making that I now have to do? What do I have to change? Now what he was expecting from me was a list. You have to change this and this and this and this. The problem is, I don't know everything he's been doing. I don't know everything you've been doing. I don't know what your list looks like. What I know is this, Jesus does. 
And so what I said to him, I would say to you and to anybody else who asks me, when you make a commitment to Jesus Christ, what you're saying to him is not just, hey, Jesus, forgive me, make me feel better, let me just get a little bit of relief. No, no, no. You're saying to Jesus, Jesus, listen, I understand you died for me. I understand that the only way I can live right is to put my faith in you. But I don't even know what it looks like to live right. I don't even know what rules I have to follow. Everybody's got a different opinion. I go from church to church to church and they're all gonna have a different list. But if you ask Jesus to live in your life, to take up residence with his spirit at work in you, and you say, hey, you know what, Jesus? You're in charge. Holy Spirit, you control. Then here's what's gonna happen. The more you listen, the more you're gonna hear what he wants to do, and he's gonna give you the list that works for you. And so your right living, your righteousness, is a result of the presence of God in your life. It should change some things, and we're gonna talk about that. But at its core, it means you have to have a hope that is not based in human nature. It's not based in collaborative ingenuity. It's not based in mankind and all of us. No, your hope is in Jesus. He's in your life. And when your hope is in Jesus, he shows you what right living looks like. And what Paul is saying to these people in Galatia is this. Look, you're throwing that away. You're going back into a religious system. And if that's what you want, fine. But you gotta know, you're giving up grace. You're giving up the hope of Jesus. You're giving up what it means to really be who you were created to be. And then he, he doesn't stop there. Because I told you, this is a pretty emotional place for Paul. He loves these people. And so he says to them, and look, when you, when you do that, I just want you to know that what happens to the person who did that to you is they're gonna, they're gonna get their own penalty for what they've done. They're gonna, they're going to, they're gonna receive in themselves, and, and, but, but you need to be aware, just a little bit of that stuff can change everything. In fact, he uses a phrase that Jesus had used. The, the phrase, when Jesus used it, Jesus talks about this. As followers of, of Jesus, he wants you to be light in the darkness, right? He wants us to be, he wants us to be people who are like salt on the earth that we, we make, we preserve and we add taste and, and we do great things with him at work in us. He wants us to be light and salt and, he said, and be like leaven in the loaf. But at another time, Jesus said, watch out for the, leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Now, what, what is Paul saying? Paul says, a little leaven goes through the whole loaf. What's he saying? He's saying, look, just a little bit of this deception, just a little bit of these people who are, are whispering in your ear, hey, that's not good enough. Hey, that's not religious enough. Hey, that's not really what Jesus wants. You need to do this. You need to do that. Just a little bit of that in your ear will ruin the whole thing. And now suddenly you're giving up the hope. But then he says, but I have confidence in you. I have confidence that in the face of that kind of deception, you're gonna hold on to Jesus. I believe that if you hold on to Jesus, Paul says, then the hope that Jesus gives you, that's coming out of your life and it's gonna make a difference in the way that you live your life. 
is hope. Hope is stronger than memories. Memories are strong. But hope is stronger. Hope is stronger than religious systems. Religious systems are strong. But hope is stronger. But hope isn't hope in hope. Hope isn't just keep hope alive. See, all the world's talking about hope now. We, we hope this. No, no, no. Hope is Jesus. He's the one who teaches us. He's the one who lives inside of us. He's the one who leads us in paths of righteousness, paths of right living, so that we can live the way he wants us to live, the way we were created to live. You were created to live in a relationship with God. It's broken because of the sin of Adam and Eve and the sin of the world and your own personal sin. And by the way, if you don't think that there's an inherent brokenness in people, go volunteer in our nursery and hang out with those little children and just see how <clears throat> self-centered a little baby is when they want to be fed. Now, baby, that wants to be fed. Now, I know they're cute. I was just loving on my four-month-old granddaughter before service. She's got the cutest little cheeks I've seen except for her sister who had cuter ones, okay? Don't, don't tell her that. They both got cute cheeks. But what I'm telling you is, at your core, at the core of every human being, there is this, there is this desire for self-gratification. There is this desire to control what's going on in your world. And you need to know that desire left un, unsanctified, left ungiven to God, creates a desire to do whatever you want to do, whenever you want to do it, wherever you want to do it. And what Paul's telling these people here is, he says, listen, if you want to go back into that religious system, then you got to know you're giving up on grace. And me personally, he says, I just... I just want to warn you, a little bit of that will, will decimate everything. A little bit of that is like a little bit of leaven going through the whole loaf. It will break apart everything. And then he gets really, just let's just be honest, his emotions overtake him. And he says, in fact, what I, I know they're going to receive their own penalty in themselves for what they're doing, but I actually wish that these people who are telling you, you Galatian men, that you need to be physically circumcised, he said, what I, what I wish that they would do is that the knife would slip and they would just not, not circumcise somebody, they'd just castrate them. Some of you are going, that's not what my Bible said, Pastor. You don't know, know that. It, it said emasculate in the English Standard Version. But the, the, the root of that is to basically castrate those men. Paul, 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 when he talks about love, I told you, love isn't all ooey-gooey and fuzzy, fuzzy warm. No, love is strong. And, and what Paul is saying is, look, I love you enough to tell you, if you keep going like this, you're going to end up here, and you're separating yourself from God, and I can't stand that somebody's doing that to you. That's how much Paul loved the people in Galatia. And you gotta know, that's how much Jesus loves you. He can't stand it that something or someone is separating you from him. He can't stand it that, that, that you are 
that, that you're struggling, that you're, you're separated from him, that, that you don't experience his presence. He can't stand that because he loves you enough to repurpose you and, and to give you a hope and, and to repurpose you and give you a confidence that you can trust him even in the midst of the deception that you can hold. You don't have to believe the lie. Remember, Scripture teaches us the enemy of our soul, often referred to as Satan, is a liar and a deceiver. And he is always at work on the face of this earth for a temporary time. He's ultimately defeated. Jesus has defeated sin and death and hell and Satan himself. And he has stepped on the head of the serpent. I get all of that. But until Jesus returns, those of us who are living on the face of the earth are having to deal with the deception and the lies of the enemy of our soul. But we can, if we have a hope in Jesus Christ, have a confidence in him. A confidence that keeps us from the deception. There's, a, there's an old song that the church used to sing that I love, and I've, I've talked about it for years. It, it's got some antiquated words in the verses, but there's a phrase in it that just, if we ever needed to hear it, we have to hear it now. And it simply says this, have we any hope within us of a life beyond the grave. In that fair and vernal land, that's that antiquated word. Do we know that when our earthly house, our body, by death shall be dissolved, we've a house not made with hands. We have a hope within our soul, brighter than the perfect day. God has given us his spirit and he wants the whole world to hear it. All our doubts, They've passed away. What Paul is saying to the church in Galatia in the first century, and what I think he's saying to the church in the world in the 21st century is this. You can have faith in Jesus Christ and confidence in Jesus Christ that will repurpose love for hope and repurpose love so that you are not deceived. And when that happens, love also repurposes our freedom. Our freedom to live in connection to God and to others. Did you hear the way Paul said it? He said, listen, when you have this hope and when you have this confidence and when you're living in this connection to God, you have a freedom. And, and, but it's not a freedom like the flesh. It's, it's like, it's, it's a freedom to be who you were made to be because the freedom of the flesh is one that you just use to do whatever you want to do. I know it's only the last Sunday in September, but I've already started to see Christmas stuff, okay? And I know some of you have already started making your list of your Christmas movies and things. So I want to quote a very religious Christmas movie for you, okay? Home Alone. <laughs> and, 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 and Home Alone, there, there's a scene. You remember it, those of you who've seen it? In Home Alone, this little boy who's, who's um, you know, he's eating all the food in the house, Okay? I, I particularly like the second version, Home Alone 2, when he's in the big, in the big hotel in New York City and he discovers room service. <laughs> and he starts ordering all the food out of room service. And what does he order? Does he order steak? No. Does he order vegetables? No. What does he order? He orders ice cream and candy. And then he gets a stomach ache. What happened? He found freedom. No parents around. I'm just going to 
be free. I can order whatever I want. See, that's what Paul's talking about when he says, look, you're not about this freedom of the flesh that just gives you everything you want. No, no, you're, you're, you're set free to be connected to God and to others, and that connection then, it, it sets a freedom in your life that's not just about self-gratification. It's a freedom to be the woman, be the man God created you to be, to live in community with people, to, to love in a way that, that Jesus summed up, as Paul says, in just one word, one phrase, you need to love your neighbor as yourself. You want to be repurposed for love? Quit trying to wait for the warm fuzzies and the ooey gooeys and accept this strong, hard love of hope and confidence and freedom. Freedom that makes you the person you were created to be.